Welcome back, guys. This is our podcast with me, Sophia, and... Hi, it's Asmat. How's everyone doing today? Hopefully great. And if you're living in the great windy city of Chicago, the weather is already coming for us. Right. Already changed. Change for the winter. (laughs) So welcome back to She's Got Shit to Say. Um, We are starting our first official episode today, and we wanted to discuss the topic of cultural differences between Americans or us that have grown up here in America and back home. And when we say back home, we mean people from the Indian subcontinent, Pakistan specifically. Uh, We just are always discussing the differences because it's something that kind of runs through our life along a strong thread that's always running through our lives and so we wanted to touch base on just interesting differences sometimes sad differences a lot of the times funny differences and sometimes differences that make us mad (laughs) oh i was gonna ask you do you have you ever had friends who just didn't know that pakistan was southeast asia no, most of my friends were smart enough to know <laughs> what continent Pakistan was on. Where, like, when you when you ask that question, where the where did they think Pakistan was, like, if not Asia? I guess a, a large. I feel like a lot of people have the misconception that it's that it's a part of the Middle East because it's oh. the majority is Muslim population, um, and there's very few. I've had people mistake Pakistan for just basically India. Like, okay, well, then it's all the same. Yeah. But I guess that's a different question. That's all the same. The reason we are doing this topic, we want to touch on this, is because someone just came back from a trip. I did. And I go often now. (sighs) Why? Well, I go, so my parents uh, moved back about four and a half, almost five years. So I just came back, but I think something that never, since a ch- I was a child, I can't remember, something that never changes is the amount of people that are coming to the airport. Now, I want to make this clear. I'm not meaning like when you come here. So like when we land in O'Hare, right, in the international terminal, obviously there's going to be people waiting for their loved ones, family, friends, etc. to arrive. However, this is not what is happening in Pakistan. So, as my cousin in Pakistan mentioned, she said it's basically a party when you go into the airport, you know. And a lot of these people that are at the airport... (laughs) surprisingly, are not waiting for anyone. So it's borderline creepy to me because in the way that the Islamabad International Airport, and you haven't been in a very long time, so you haven't seen this airport. It's a really nice airport. But when you're from the, when you're coming in it's and you're exiting and going about to go and meet your family members, it's basically like every eye is on you. And when I mean every eye, I mean... All these people from whatever corners of Pakistan and these little villages have basically come to the airport 
whether they're meeting or picking up someone or not. I don't know what I don't know what so the I think, problem is. Right. I think the key point to make note here is that people are coming to the airport as an event to watch and gawk at passengers that are coming from international destinations or wherever. But the way the airport is structured, even it doesn't matter how the airport is structured because the different airports that I've been at in Pakistan, the same situation is going on. People are lining up. They have no one to pick up from the airport. <laughs> and nobody is being dropped off. But their <laughs> sole purpose in coming to the airport is to... Um, What's the word in I don't, English? And people watching is it's people watching. It. People watching, but yes. I feel like that's saying it nicely, though. Right. They're gawking. It's, you are feeling violated. Yes. In a way, because of the, the intensity with which you are being stared at, sized up, looked up and down. You, eyes are following you as you make your... Exit. Exit through the airport, and I don't think anyone is doing this kind of next-level people-watching in any airport in America, the one that we have the most experience with, O'Hare. They, everyone's got some place to go, some place that they're coming from. They're just living lives where they got a job to go to, they got to get off the plane, get on the plane. No one's sitting around watching you. These are people that are coming just to watch other people. Like, they've got nothing else to do. Yeah, I mean, and I also, I also, this is actually the first time I noticed this, but my cousin was telling me this is a common occurrence. I don't know if you remember this or not, but I saw a lot of people coming in with, like, uh, an arrangement of flowers to put over like the neck, like the neck of like That's the. Ar- I've That's never seen this. Normal. They are so happy to see that loved one from a different country. I never country. got that type of. <laughs> <laughs> That's my dad. Funny. My dad will look at me and be like, uh, "You ready?" He's like dragging me out of the airport as quickly as possible, probably because he knows the the nonsense the that's, that's happening. But yeah, I've seen. Um, necklaces of money. Yeah, <laughs> that's a whole different uh, topic. Yeah, the necklace of money. Uh, where real money, by the real way. Real money is stitched into a common thread, and the bigger, the better. The larger, <laughs> the note. Obviously, the more rich you are, and then this item is worn, adorned on the person, as a. A gesture of, I don't understand, just something special. It's worn in weddings. It's worn, apparently, when people come from a different country. I've seen this. Flowers. Yeah. That's... Yeah, that was... To me, and I haven't seen the money thing yet, but I did see the flowers this time. So I joked with my dad. I was like, why didn't I get this kind of a, like, receiving sort of grand gesture? My dad looked at me like... If you don't get in this car... Because you're not that important. Right, obviously. basically. But um, that's just... So that's like... So, so I would say as you make your way out of the airport, one of the 
other things that we've noticed that's pretty major is um, Pakistan being a third world country, you have a large amount of beggars and poor people waiting, waiting outside the airport because they know that if you have enough money to take a flight somewhere, you obviously may have enough money to give to them. And begging is on a different level in this country. I think you have a really funny story about about beggars, which right. one of our cousins always asks Sophia to tell because it is extremely hilarious. The story, I mean, the, the funniness may not get translated uh, right now, but the story is basically we were shopping in a main market, and in these main markets there are smaller shops that are sometimes just tiny holes in the wall, just a slit where a shopkeeper is standing selling various things. And I was shopping in a main bazaar in Peshawar and was with family members. And we were at the entrance of one of these tiny bazaars that actually don't have any tiny markets that actually don't have any... um don't have enough space for more than two people. And I was with two or three family members, and right behind me, a woman approached, <laughs> and she had her her right hand bandaged. The entire hand was covered up to the wrist or middle of the forearm in a bandage with what was supposed to be blood on the tip. So what she was trying to show me was that she basically had a bloody stump, which was a hand cut off at the wrist, which was then bandaged and bleeding. <laughs> and this she was waving around the streets of the bazaar in the hopes that she would get money. <laughs> then this woman approached me, fist forward... <laughs> Or arm forward, leading with that, and basically this, like, mess of... I was just scared that this bloody stump was going to... And I'm not trying to be insensitive to poor people or to beggars. I just think this is not how you go about it because she's in a dirty bazaar. She's shaking that fist or whatever. And I would say nine times out of ten, it isn't real. I'm not sure where or how she got her arm chopped off, her hand chopped off, but I doubt that it's even true. People say this to me all the time as well, that you can't trust the beggars in Pakistan because this is sometimes their livelihood, the way of they, the way that they've chosen to make their money. So the more sympathy they can garner, the better. Babies are being held in arms... I think she maybe even had a baby in her other arm. One hand was a <laughs> bloody stump. Well, the other hand might have had a baby in it, and she was just approaching me at a fast rate. So I tried to make my way into this small store that was already full with the two people that were standing in it, which were my family members, to the point where I was, like, falling over <laughs> the people because this person wasn't stopping her approach. Yeah, they're very persistent. They don't stop. They don't stop at all. You know, I've actually noticed that a lot of times they will have gold jewelry on 
as they're approaching you and asking you for money. Yeah, I haven't actually watched that or seen that. I'm not sure. I haven't paid attention. But it's traumatic <clears throat> for the person. That's, I think, what they... There's a shock factor that they're trying to elicit. They're trying to get more money. And most of the time, by people that live there, that we are told that do not... Uh, pay these people money because you're only going to attract more beggars and there are people that do it as a business. I think that's true to some extent mm-hmm. here in America. Panhandlers and people on the street holding their signs, you know, homeless, you know, help the homeless. Um, some people think that they're doing this as a way of making money instead of actually finding a real job. I have, um, I read an article where they followed a woman who was famous, she was a panhandler on a specific corner, when they followed her, she actually had her own car, and she had a place that she was going to, and she was doing stuff, and it was shocking that this is basically what this woman was doing, because she found this more lucrative, People than going out to like find a job to work yeah. a real job, so. which it's sad. Like, it, it kind of makes you think. Like, is this like we live in one of the most you know wealthiest countries and the most advanced countries, and this is what, yeah, people have resorted to. But nonetheless, that story will always go down in the books. I think that's one of the funniest stories I've ever heard. Like we were just talking about it earlier, uh, how nobody ever is following any sort of traffic laws. Yeah. I mean, I think for the, this doesn't apply to major cities, which we have not spent much time in, but people do tend to respect the traffic laws there. But in a smaller town like Peshawar, Mardan, mm-hmm. they're not obeying. And I remember um, being at a stoplight in Peshawar and people were, it was a red stoplight, so we were stopped. And people were zooming around us, even though there was oncoming traffic, uh, intersecting traffic. And so um, people just don't care. No. And there's nobody standing around. There's nobody that is going to give you a ticket. You're not really going to get a fine. Um, But my dad was saying that even if there are police officers or, like, traffic officers waiting, like, they'll... People will just zoom by them. Like, they, they'll have their hand out. Like, stop. Like, here, you know, if you have a, a traffic, you know, a traffic cop telling you to stop, you better stop. Oh, yeah. In They're... America, if you run a red light, you better believe. It's just, a, I think, a different infrastructure. Um, I think there's a lot of corruption there. There's probably corruption here as well, but it's something that's only recently come to be. Mm-hmm. But right now, in Pakistan, these are, you know old cities that are now developing, you know, proper traffic uh, rules of the road and regulations, and people are not obeying those rules. One thing that's very common there is the collectivistic culture, and that's basically five to six, five, six plus people living in a home. And okay. Also known as a combined family system. Yeah, which you don't see here, and there it's, very common. My parents, you know, my father's home. He has his two brothers and their wives living there and sometimes their kids. And, you know, 
to me, when I go, like, now I'm just kind of like, I really just want to go home. Right. I really... You want your private space. Yeah, and at, for, for I think, for the first few days, it's a lot of fun. You have people coming over. And, you know, people come to our homes there unannounced and, you know... Uninvited. Uninvited. <laughs> uninvited, unannounced, and... You know, this is a common, this is this is just the culture there. But it can get very tiring. It can get very annoying um, because you have to then be hospitable to these people. You can't just hide in your room and not come out and engage with, with the guests that have come. So I think that's another, you know, big thing. I think that the, you know, the combined family system is, has its pros and its cons. You know, people, I think... Uh, from minority communities do live in this combined family system in America because they are from minority communities where it's acceptable or it's even part of the culture. And because they're immigrants in this country, it's a way of pooling resources. And I think it is not necessarily a bad thing. Yes, if you're used to your own space, you want your privacy, you don't want people constantly getting involved in your affairs, Mm -hmm. this may not be the best route. But if you want to have less of a expense for different people of the same family, let's say, you know, a family with young kids who are in their 20s, instead of having everyone living in a separate apartment where mm-hmm. their rent, you know, is they're each paying, you know, $2,000 or $1,500 and each having their own utility expenses, everyone can all live in their, in the same house that, you know, obviously right. has a rent that's reasonable and everyone can then pool that money together and live. So I think I've seen this commonly practiced by you know, South Asian uh, immigrants here. So it's definitely a difference than typical American culture, but it's something that is, uh, it's something that's transferred. So the question is things that annoy you about the culture. Yeah, well, there's, there's a lot, but this, this in particular really does annoy me. So I remember the last time that I had gone, I basically was sitting next to one of my cousins, two of my cousins, and this lady who just, like I, you know, like we mentioned earlier, people just like randomly drop by with unannounced, and she comes in and she looks at me and she was like, you are ugly and (laughs) and your cousins are very, like, pretty, and I was like, I was eating breakfast and I put my cup of tea down and I was like, looked at her and I was like, like, excuse me? Stranger? Yeah, I mean, she comes into the house. family friend? Okay. Not even. Like, very shocked by this statement because it really came out of left field. And me and my cousins were looking at her like, what was that? And she basically was like, because you are brown and they are white. And instantly, I was, like, very offended, but I couldn't... You can't really say anything, but it it really dawned on me. 
that this idea of um, light skin versus dark mm. skin is a really huge thing there and always has so, been. So, in case listeners are not aware, in our culture, and I've actually have friends that are of East Asian descent, and they say the same unfortunate um, issues are in that present in that culture as well. I have friends that are from Latin America, and the same thing is going on there, which is basically beauty is considered higher if you are lighter in skin tone or complexion. And the, the they think that the prettier you are, and I think the, the lighter you are. And this is, I think, a just an ancient and horrible um, way to assess one's beauty. So if you're dark-skinned, you are basically at, not at all considered pretty. And I think it's an archaic way of thinking, you know, um, rooted in social evils, I, I think is just, you know, an understatement. Um, black is beautiful, brown is beautiful. I think that beauty is not dependent on the color of your skin. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, that, but I, I hear this a lot from, you know, even family members still. And it's really saddening to me because, you know, and I'm not, I mean, I consider myself like brown and I mean tan, but I'm not like, and even if I was, I feel like, so then I, I feel like even if I was darker, then, you know, what would I be getting? If or I even if you were whiter, why would that make right. you prettier? Right. Because my dad says, he's always talking about how like people who are, you know, more brown skin, they, to him, he, my dad always said, you know, I feel like they have really nice, uh, features and whatnot. And, you know, but, but even then this, this battle between light skin, dark skin, and I see, I don't know if this is maybe like the, the, the British occupation has something to do with this or that sort of, you know, mindset has seeped through, you know, the culture in, in Pakistan and India, but the same thing is, the same issue happens in India. And, the whitening, the whitening creams that are always mm. just on display everywhere you go, it makes you really think like this this ideal, this again, like Sophia said, this, you know, concept of beauty, uh, which is dark or white is, is really, um, what's the word? Like you said, archaic. Archaic. It's, it's Outdated, very unfortunate, sad, pathetic. So, I mean, that's a whole different discussion, but a very true and interesting point but into that. So what, what the point was originating was the bluntness and the disrespectfulness that some people <laughs> think that they can speak to you with. There is a, there's a tendency, at least here, for all of our freedom of speech and our, you know, um personal rights, people still practice a common courtesy where they're not openly so blunt and disrespectful and uh, in, in terms of saying things to you, to your face, that are overtly insulting, like mm -hmm. this guest. Um, you know, I've had people, strangers, 
teachers, um, family friends will discuss the uh, condition of the acne on your skin as if that's something you wanted to discuss with them. <laughs> your body weight and size as if that's something you wanted to discuss with them. And usually it's not even brought up in context to anything. It's just brought up out of the blue when you least expect it. And it's something that you're supposed to be okay with. But this is just a cultural thing that occurs there. And obviously when you bring those people to a different country and you're interacting with them here, you will, they will still, if they haven't, you know, gotten with the program and realized that this is not how you talk to someone, they'll still do that here too. And just a, a front of disrespect and shock is kind of the feelings that you are washed over you where you're just like, wow, I can't believe that person just called me fat, just told me I was ugly, right. just told me that my skin is in really bad shape. Silly, strange things that they think are the most important things in the world, and they obviously feel the need to share that with you. So. Yeah, I mean, it's just a blunt culture, I feel like. We're just from a culture that's very blunt, and, I mean, that's just the reality. But it. is it, though? <laughs> because there are certain things no one ever discusses. That's true. And that's where we'll leave it. That's actually a nice way to end it. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I, I like think that. I think we'll pick up things, we'll probably pick up on our next episode, things that people never want to discuss. Yeah, and I want to say just before we go, I, I feel like we did mention a lot of negative things about our culture. Right. There are a lot of positive things, as with anything, right? Like, there's going to be the negatives and then the positives. But what we really want to do, we just kind of wanted to give you guys, like, a good, like a, like a semi, I feel like, education class, whatever you want to call it, you know, a little lesson on what uh, Pakistan culture is sort of like. And what are the things that we find issue with? Yeah. We, I know, we mentioned a lot of things that we did not like. Maybe one episode we'll mention the things we do like. Yeah. It's not all bad, it's as it is with every culture. Not all bad. This was just a kind of a discussion on things that we find issue with, that we find to be stark differences between our culture um, back home and our culture in America. Because again, we live in both worlds every day. All day. All day. All day, every day. So stay tuned for episode two um, coming soon. And uh, until then, have a good day. Have stay a good... Warm. Stay warm in the city. <laughs> Bye. Bye.